1: I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. Oh, what can be done for an old heart like mine?
0: Soften it up. How are you today? I'm Ray Greenley. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. How are you today? What's happening in your heart? What's happening in your spirit? It's a new day. How are you with Jesus? I'm very concerned today because I have been and I have comforted people in the midst of their sin. There are many false comforts that come to us. Every design of our culture is to provide you with an out from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The table, the smorgasbord table is spread wide with every possible delicacy and with every possible urging to make life wonderful for you and your family. To make it, if you please, comfortable. It seems that we worship comfort. We like to be with people who are like us. We like to be with people who smile upon us and are pleasant to us. We like to be with people who are complimentary and if not, at least will smile assuring us that they're safe and we're safe and everything is okay. Comfort Comfortableness It belies the fact that there is a war for your soul that's taking place right now. We're told in the book of Revelation, in the churches that are spoken of there, as Jesus comes and speaks this message to seven churches, we're told that that last-day church was going to be unconscious of its condition, spiritual condition. And it would be unconscious of its spiritual condition because of its comfortableness. But Jesus said it would be a lie. It would not be true. It is a false comfort. He begins... In verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. In other words, you're in that zone. You're in that comfort zone. And he's saying, I want you to either be cold or hot, one or the other. You you make me sick. I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. You say, I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. Oh, stop. Some of you are retired. You have nice retirements from the government. You have a beautiful home to live in. You're vacationing. You travel the world. You have the fishing boat. You have the toys. You have... The things you desire. You're wealthy. Now, you wouldn't call yourself rich because Americans don't like to refer to themselves as rich, but compared to every other part of the world, you're fabulously wealthy. But Jesus says you're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. And then he begins to give the remedy for this comfortableness. Well, most of us don't want a remedy for our comfortableness. We want our comfortableness to increase. Make me more comfortable. You know, that new lazy boy chair would just work wonderfully here. A new large screen television would be appropriate, wouldn't it? Oh, let's get one with a curved screen. We want to be comfortable as we have our popcorn and beer. I'm counseling you to buy from me gold. Well, if you're miserable and you're blind and you're poor and you're wretched, you don't have any money to buy gold. So what's he talking about? It's gold that's been refined by fire. That's very uncomfortable. Just the whole concept is uncomfortable. Jesus is saying, look, you need to buy something that's going to put you in the fire, that's going to refine you, that's going to work on the impurities of your heart. One of the greatest struggles I have in the prayer closet before coming to do this broadcast is that most of you are very comfortable in your sin and you believe you're saved. What can I say to a man who believes he's saved and he's comfortable in his sin? In fact, he doesn't even think it's sin. Some of you worship at the idol of professional sports and you don't even think it's a problem, even though it absorbs large amounts of your time you don't think it's a problem. It's just part of my privileged entitlement to be an American. Others of you have other things that you enjoy, and they're all false comforts because none of them will you take to heaven He says buy gold refined by fire that you may be rich there's another kind of richness that jesus wants us to come into he's saying buy white garments that you may clothe yourself that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed in other words according to revelation these white garments are the good works of the saints of god Well, what good works would Jesus have us do? Mowing the lawn at church? Well, that's a good thing to do, but that's not what he's talking about. Let's be clear. Jesus told his disciples that he would make them fishers of men. And then... He went about training them to be fishers of men. And then he gave what we call the great commission. He did not give us a commission to mow the the grass at church. He didn't give us a commission to do this or that. He gave us a commission to go fishing for men, to win men and women, boys and girls, to be transformed by the likeness of Jesus, to repent of their sin, and to become true and honest followers of Jesus Christ. So, if you are not a soul winner, you do not have on the white garments that Jesus is speaking about here. You are naked. May I please just ask you a question? How many people have you brought to Jesus this year and seen them transformed, leave their sin, and walk in holiness before Almighty God? Have you seen anyone saved by your endeavors? Do you have any souls in the last year that you have brought to Jesus Christ? If not, Laodicea Church is where you go. If you don't have any souls that you've brought to Jesus, what have you been doing for the past year? Oh, I got it. You've been working on being comfortable. He goes on. Put eye salve on your eyes that you may see. I'm trying to bring some eye salve to you today, talking about false comforts. That perhaps, if we are honest with one another, we will lay aside our false comforts and begin to deal with the honest condition of our souls. He says, All those whom I may love, I convict and instruct so that you may be zealous and you must repent. He's speaking here to church people. He's not speaking here to the lost. He's speaking here to people who sit in church and think they are saved. And he is saying to them, I'm here to convict you. That is, I am here to interrupt your comfortable life. I am here to instruct you. I'm here to call you to be zealous and to repent. He says, listen, I've stood at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone may hear my voice and may open the door, I will also come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Now, all through the scriptures when jesus is at the door he is at the door not as a humble supplicant he is there as the king of kings and the lord of lords and he is there to bring judgment upon that house he is there to destroy that house and in his great kindness he's saying i've come to destroy your house but if you are earnest and you receive instruction and you repent and you open this door to me I'll come in and eat with you you see Jesus is a soul winner Jesus is about loving the hearts of men and women And I know countless men and women who call themselves Christians who have not won one person to Jesus in the past 24 months or longer. Jesus is standing at your door. And he's saying, Repent. He's saying, Leave your comfort zone. Let me do my work in your heart and repent of your wickedness. Now there are many false comforts and I made a list this morning of 11 false comforts that I have had used on me and that I've used on others. But they are utterly false comforts. One of those false comforts is saying we can only do what we can do. That's not true at all. It's not true that we can only do what we can do. All of us, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, are empowered and endued by his Holy Spirit. And as we begin to cry out in the prayer closet for souls as we begin to cry out in the prayer closet that god would forgive us for being cold of heart as we begin to repent and say i'm no longer going to walk in this deception of the comfortable american life now can i really mix it up with you please when you make the decision that you are going to turn your television off that you're no longer going to watch the games that instead you're going to fast and pray and you're going to seek the face of Jesus. That's how you open the door to Jesus, that he might come in. You open for him by actions on your part that allow him to enter your life. You might turn the radio off in your car and as you're driving no longer listen to the foolishness that pours forth from every wicked station you might decide that you are going to set apart one day a week to fast and pray there are many things that you can do depending on the call of the Holy Spirit in your life but certainly you're going to have to cut off those things of darkness. You're going to have to cut off the movies and the clubs. You're going to have to cut off the alcohol. You're going to have to cut off those things that cause you to be comfortable in your wickedness. So it's not true that you can only do what you can do because that says I am limited in my ability and I cannot reach out to God. I cannot be buying gold tried in the fire. There's another false comfort that has been often used on me and I have even used it much to my regret on others. Come on you need to chill we all make mistakes god understands no god does not understand it's a lie and no we better not chill and yes we all do make mistakes but we also all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and it is our duty before him to repent of that sin and to be made right by the blood of Jesus. It is our duty to go get a new heart. So don't listen when someone tells you, hey, come on, just chill. We all, you know, we're all human. We all we all have sinned. We all make mistakes. You know, don't get serious about this issue. they're not your savior are they another common comfort a false comfort is the belief that conversion is a progressive work it's a journey and you will hear people pray this way when praying for a sinner they will pray oh lord would you help this person on their journey toward heaven? Well, you remember Bunyan's story, Pilgrim's Progress. Yes, Pilgrim had a journey to take, but it was a journey only that he took after he had fully repented of all his sin, and he entered into the gate the narrow gate of salvation. Before that, he was not saved. He had a burden of sin upon his back. He was anguished as he read the scriptures, and everyone tried to convince him to just settle down and take a nap. Everyone tried to comfort him in the midst of his anguish of heart today as soon as you begin to be awakened even the slightest to your christian duty someone will come and say hey don't be worried look you're you're making wonderful progress you're not making any progress until you have repented of all sin and turned aside from it as long as you're walking in sin you have not made one iota of progress toward the kingdom of god You are still utterly under condemnation and judgment from God. And so when I pray for a sinner, I'm not going to pray that God would help them on their journey. I am going to pray, Oh God, make the box even tighter. Don't let them even wiggle until they have surrendered everything to you don't let them escape your judgment until they have laid everything down i'm going to pray that they be convicted and converted and become followers of jesus christ i'm not going to comfort them in the midst of their sin i'm going to do everything i can to increase their anguish over their sin And how many times I have cried out about the Holy Spirit in anguish and some kind and thoughtful person <laughs> said, Ray, why don't you just take a break? You need a vacation. Why don't you just relax? Go go play somewhere. Take a walk in the woods. Do whatever you have to do to lighten your mind. Well, no worse instructions could be issued. No worse instructions could be issued. Rather, I would say, please cherish every sense of anguish that is in your heart and turn from your sin. Believe the word of God. Stand by faith for the fullness of his presence in your life as he washes you by his blood as you have cut off every unclean thing another thing that is commonly said hey don't you love jesus just trust him just wait on god you know god's gonna finish what he started in you you don't need to be concerned this is god's work well no it's not because if a person is lost are you going to say it was god's fault they were lost are you going to say that god didn't do his job are you going to say that god did not do enough when he sent jesus to die on calvary for you are you going to blame god for your lack of spiritual life really no no you and i are responsible before a holy god for our spiritual condition he has poured out all of heaven ephesians the first chapter he has poured out all of heaven on our behalf There is absolutely no reason to remain in bondage and sin. There is no excuse. Don't wait on God to do it. Don't say, I love Jesus and I trust him and I hope in him when you are continuing to walk in your sin. You know i have often in years gone by falsely said to the lord my hope is in you jesus my hope is in you jesus well what's false about that well what's false about it is when i say my hope is in jesus while i continue to walk in disobedience to his commands that's a false hope That's not a hope that will bring me anything in the end. Hope that is not based on a firm foundation of righteousness, of holiness, of piety. Hope that is not based on actual reality is fantasy. And it is false hope. now if you if you hear someone say or you say to yourself oh god loves me he loves me unconditionally he understands my struggle he knows i can't help myself would you pray pastor that god will come and help me leave this alcohol pastor will you pray that god will help me leave this Adultery? Pastor, will you pray for me that I could have God come and break my gluttony? Pastor, would you pray for me that God would come and take my anger away? No! No! God forbid! It is not my prayer for you that will be effectual for your salvation. It is your prayer. As you confess honestly the fullness of your sin, and as you confess that fully before a holy God, and you renounce it in the name of Jesus, you ask him to remove it from your life. And he will. You cannot trust in another man's prayer to make you righteous. You cannot trust in the unconditional love of God for you that he will somehow excuse you on the judgment day when you say, it was just too hard, Jesus. Because what you're really saying, you're a hard God. And I tried my best, but I was not able to measure up because you're just too tough, God. You're too hard. You remember there was a man who did that to God in the parable, the king. He took his one talent out and he hid it. And he brought it back and he said, I knew you were a hard man. His talent was taken away and he was cast into outer darkness. You can't make excuses with God. You cannot blame him for your wickedness. He did not make you wicked. Your choices, your actions made you wicked. Now there's another lie. Pray for the gift of repentance. Pastor, will you just pray that I can repent? No. Go repent. What do I mean? Am I being hard or ornery? No. It has been given to every man to repent. He is every man commanded to repent. God's command is his enablement. God does not command us to do something we can't do. So if God says, go repent, go repent. He's already granted you that ability. And if you do not repent, you are making God out to be a liar. So I will not pray for you the gift of repentance. I will not tell you that you just do what you can do and God will do the rest. No, he won't. He commands you to repent. God cannot repent for you. God will not repent for you. He can't. It's against his kingdom. What happens when a man repents? He surrenders. Only pride prevents a man from surrendering to the almighty God. I will not pray for conviction or pray for the Holy Spirit to show you your sins. Oh, pastor, I need to know what my sins are. Would you pray for me that God would show me my sins? What you're really saying is, pastor, I need some delay time here. I don't want to do what I know I'm supposed to do so would you pray for me and then we'll wait together for God to bring that about in my life and and that gives me some time to continue enjoying my sin no I will not pray that for you unfortunately I have to tell you I have prayed for the gift of repentance for people in the past I'll never do it again I can't How can I pray for a man to have the gift of repentance when he also already possesses it fully? Why would I pray that a man could receive the gift of repentance insinuating that the Almighty God has cheated him of a gift that he needs in order to be saved? Am I going to accuse God of holding back a precious gift that opens the door for salvation? Is this God's fault? No, it's not God's fault. If you have not repented, it's your fault. If you continue to walk in the wickedness of your heart, it's your fault, not God's. There's another very dangerous thing that is done with sinners. Oh, brother, don't be discouraged. I went through the same thing. And it took me a long, long time before I was converted. So let me tell you my experience about all the things I went through until I was finally converted. You're going to go through the same process. What? False comfort because that man was just given permission to take as long as he wants to repent of his sin and to clean up his mess. False comfort. Anything that gives a man an excuse, anything that gives a woman an excuse, anything that gives you an excuse To remain comfortable in your wickedness is a lie from the devil. And I will not teach a lie, nor will I participate in a lie. You don't need to know my experience of wickedness before God. You need to deal with your own wickedness now. You need to repent now for your wickedness. There's one last seemingly kind thing that we can do. Oh, brother, I'm praying for you. God has begun a good work in you, and he will finish it. Lie, lie, lie. Why should I pray for you? that God who has begun a good work in you will finish it. Because as soon as I say that to you, I'm saying it's God's responsibility to make you holy. It's not God's responsibility to make you holy. It is your responsibility. Now, I'm very concerned for you. I fear that I may have... Wrongly comforted you on this broadcast. That's a great tear of my heart. Why do I say that? Because I've seen so little progress in many of you. Some of you listen to this broadcast day after day, but you never respond by sending money to help pay for that month you're not invested in this work of redemption for the lost you're not invested in helping this straight word of god to go all over this city on the fm dial you're comfortable you don't pay any price You listen to this broadcast like you would listen to music. And after you've been to the theater and you walk out, how many times I've seen this, people walk out of the theater after the movie is over and they're talking with each other and joking and laughing and saying, oh, what'd you think of that? And what about this? And what about that? And then they go on their way and they forget all about it. You listen to a piece of music play, and it touches you in some manner. And then you go on, and your life continues as it did before you listened to the music. I don't want that to happen in your life. I want you to wake up. I want you to come alive in Jesus. I want you to be on fire for heaven. I want you to be against hell. I want you to save the lost. I want you to repent of your own sin if there be such. Christian faith is not some add-on benefit to an American lifestyle. (laughs) The scriptures say, you must not love the world, neither the things in the world. If anyone may love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because every conceivable thing which is in the world and that is the lust of the flesh, fleshly enjoyments, lust of the eyes, the possession of things, and the conceit of life. Hey, look what I've got. I'm somebody. I drive a Mercedes, or I'm somebody. I drive a BMW, or I'm somebody. I got a fishing boat. People admire it. I like it when they come and admire it. I watched a man yesterday. He had a hot charger and I listened to this older man telling two young men who stood in awe looking at this black on black charger that at the track he had just run 158 miles per hour in the straightaway their mouths are hanging open they stand and talk with him for perhaps a half hour And finally, one of the young men says to the older man, Could I hear the pipes? The older man, smiling, took his keys out of his pocket, walked over to the car with such obvious pride, opened the door, sat down in that car, started the motor up and... The roar was something to hear. And the guys were standing there. Their eyes were bugged out. They were lusting after that car. And this older man was just enjoying every moment of their lusting after his car. He finally shut it down with one last roar. The conceit of life. it is not out of the father but out of the world so the world is passing away and the lust of it but one doing the will of god continues into the eon the age the age of eternity john says children it is the last hour It is the last hour. So I'm wondering today, are you aware of your sin? Do you sense a casualness in your heart? Is there anyone listening to this broadcast today that is prepared to call this radio station and repent for your sin and be honest about your condition and ask Jesus to forgive you? Our phone number is 877-534-0780. That number is 877 877- 5340780 There was a a person who came to a meeting where we were sharing There were a number of young people there This was a woman who contributed regularly to the broadcast And she launched into a story about how wonderful she was and what her experience was as she went about handing out tracts and literature. And I saw all the faces of the young people turn off. And these were sinners that I was very much interested in their salvation. And I prayed and I just heard in my spirit, shut her down before she does damage to these young people with her pride. And so I very kindly shut her down. Well, she was enraged. She's never contributed a dime to this broadcast again. Her pride was so great, and her rage was so red hot, that she just walked away I want you to hear what I'm saying to you today if you have pride if you have evil thoughts if you have lust for things for the flesh for pornography to be the hot one to be the the man, if you have pride and lust, if you've stolen, if you have cursed, if you have fornicated, if you are in adultery, you need to repent. If you have cut people off out of your pride, if you have been self righteous, you need to repent. If your heart is full of blame and anger against someone and you think they are wrong and you're right, if that flows out of pride, You need to repent. We're going to talk in depth tomorrow about what repentance is and what it is not. But I wonder today, is there anyone who would like to call and repent and turn to Jesus today, right now? 877- five three four zero seven eight zero. Are there any of you lukewarm, cold hearted? Your prayers are dry. You need to repent. Will you? Call right now eight seven seven. Five three four zero seven eight zero How much time do we have left, mister Producer? Good, why don't you play that song again while somebody gets up their courage to call
1: My My faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be alive. Wash me anew in the wine of your blood. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold.
0: Lord what can be done today for an old heart that is cold and hard Lord you call them to repent and to be made alive once more to leave their lust to leave their false comforts to turn aside from the things of this world that have snared Lord I'm praying for revival in Washington today. I'm praying for the presence of your holy spirit to come. I'm praying that men and women will grasp the idea that they have been given the gift to repent. And that they will not <clears throat> pardon me and that they will not harden their hearts against you Jesus. that you will come in power. Almighty King, come and revive your people once again. Lord, come and revive your people once again. Lord, I've done this broadcast year after year. I'm now asking that you would bring forth the fruit, the fruit of righteousness. I'm asking, Lord, will you come and change this city? Will you break the foolish pride of this city? Lord, would you do whatever is necessary? to bring your people to the cross once more i know the call is going forth come come it's always that kindness of your heart poured out that says come to the table buy wine and milk at no cost why would you go hungry lord i know that every good thing is found in you i know that you alone remove the shackles of a man or a woman's heart lord many who are listening to this broadcast right now are shackled they are prisoners of their sin and of the devil very religious some of them but still prisoners of the devil lord i'm asking would you come would you revive your people once again in your kindness, in your love in your majesty Lord I ask that this broadcast could go forth over this city with power I'm asking Lord that the word that is spoken will be heard I'm asking, Lord, if you would send forth your spirit and revive your people once again. Lord, without the mighty presence of your Holy Spirit, it's all without any value. So, Lord, I cry out today for your people that they will repent that they will turn from the world from the flesh from the devil I pray that your people will make the decision today to get right with you Lord some of them are so concerned about worry about circumstances Lord would you come would you bring revival now in the name of Jesus Amen You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia and you should see what God is doing at the prayer chapel He is bringing sinners who are getting clean who are repenting who are turning from wickedness And I rejoice in their salvation. I'd like to hear from you. If God has moved on your heart, you can give by going to nationalprayerchapel.com and simply touch the donate button. You can give with a credit card, debit card. I also ask, would you write to me? The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you, my brother. Repent, get clean if you're not. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.